0: Big hand for Sam Thomas. Love getting the lead with him. He has an unbelievable heart. And, uh, (laughs) man. He is growing his beard back immediately, if you see him. It's 5 o'clock shadow already. Uh, But I I will say it is is for a good cause. I got to go up Friday night to go see the men's challenge and hang out with them. And God is moving in an incredible way. I want to encourage you, uh, if your husband is there, your friend is there, uh, I want to encourage you today, just send him a text message. Hey, been praying for you this weekend. Hope God is moving in a powerful way and we are for you. And uh, Friday night was great. We had over 250 guys and we ended up around 275 guys guys. And we catered in a bunch of chili and onions and jalapenos, which means I hung around for just a little bit. And then I'm like, I'm getting out of here, man. I don't know what's coming with all of these dudes, but it was such a great time just on Friday night to hang. And I love just what God does in the midst of the life of his church. Because I'm telling you, when you begin to give undivided attention to Jesus, he radically changes your life. And this is what happens with our kids' camp, with all this other stuff. When people go away and they just go to meet with God, it's not like he just finally shows up. It's that we've shown up. And, man, when we show up, God changes our life. And I want to tell you, I just want to celebrate this as well. Church, you have shown up in a phenomenal way over the last two weeks. Uh, We introduced, we got a partner with World Vision uh, to do child sponsorship as a church. And uh, I want to let you know last weekend where instead of us going out to the lobby and kind of sponsoring a child and picking them, we signed up and we had our picture taken. And then we took it down to Guatemala and let the kiddos choose us. And at the first weekend, you guys, we had 890. 19 people sign up. I want to let you know we finished after last weekend with 972 kids <laughs> sponsored. And that is, man, this is such an incredible. Movement of God, and God is calling us to step into the shoes of others. Like Sam said in that video, uh, we have a crew of 14 women on their way back. They actually, uh, their flight got messed up, so they're stuck in Budapest today. They're supposed to be back tonight, be praying for them. They're trying to get home tomorrow. Uh, But these are phenomenal women leaders, entrepreneurs, creating businesses across the world, because that is what the church does. Man, we step into the shoes and we use the gifts that God has given us to bless others and point people to Jesus. And I want to let you know with Forgive Me Not ministry, if you maybe you didn't get a chance to do uh, child sponsorship, and you're looking to be a part of that? You can go to Forget Me Not Ministries website. They have child sponsorship. You can still get in the game to be a part of that. Uh, but this is the beauty of what God is doing. This is why we're doing the series, shoes, because what happens is this: we're celebrating the fact that Jesus has come to step into our shoes. We don't have to figure out life. We don't have to try to have to act like we have it all together. Jesus is saying, "I already know you don't have it together, but I do, and I've come to step into your shoes." And if anybody remembers, we looked at this passage the last week. The there's two things that Jesus is full of. It says in John chapter 1, verse 14, that Jesus is full of two things. Anybody remember what they are? He's full of two things. What are they? Anybody remember? Grace and 14 of us. Guys, this is awesome, right? But we talked about this last weekend, that the reason why there's tension when you become a follower of Jesus, and sometimes when it becomes hard in your life, it's not that you don't know what you're doing. It's that when we follow Jesus, there's a tension between grace and truth. And typically, we're good at one or the other. A lot of times, I'm better at just giving grace to people, but I'm not very good at always telling the truth. And here's the problem. If all we do is, if all we do is give grace and no truth, we don't experience the fullness of Jesus. And if all we do is we walk around telling people the truth, but we don't do it without grace, we miss this whole other side of Jesus. And this is why this series is so important and why understanding who Jesus is is so important is because he is 100% grace and he is 100% truth. And when we take one of these away, we take away Jesus. This is why we want to get a clear picture of who he is and what he's doing in our life and the growth that he wants to do. And it's because here's what happened. Even Jesus' last disciples on the last night that he had with them, they missed who he was. Listen how they missed the fullness of Jesus in John chapter 14, verse 7. Here he is. He's on his last night. You would have thought they were ready to pass the test. They're ready to go be A-plus students, and they fail. In chapter 14 of John, in verse 9, listen what it says. Jesus tells him, he says, if you really knew me, if you know who I am, you would know my Father, talking about God as well. And then he goes on to say this, from now on, you do know him, talking about God, and you have Seen him. Philip said, one of his disciples, Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. That sounds small, doesn't it? Anybody ever prayed that? God, if you'd just give me this, I'll trust you forever, right? You know, if you just do this, this would be enough. And that's what Philip says. He goes, God, Je- or Jesus, just show us the Father. Show us who God is and that'll be enough. That'll be enough. Listen to what Jesus says. Don't you know me? Man, man, don't you know who I am? Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So how can you say show us the Father? Maybe for you today, you've been here and you're, you're asking the question today, I, I want to know who God is. If you want to know who God is, Jesus says, you need to look at me because if you see me, you will have seen the Father. See, this is why the Bible is so important, because it explains who Jesus is. And when we see Jesus, Jesus says, you will have seen the Father. If you want to know God's heart, if you want to know these things about God, he goes, you have got to see me. Here's a big idea. If you're taking notes, you might want to write this down. Because Jesus is pointing this out to Philip, and he's pointing this out to us today, that Jesus sees what you and I can't see. That Jesus sees these things that we can't see in life, every single one of us. And even though I'm a pastor, it doesn't matter. I'm limited in what I can see. Every one of us, we are limited in what we can see in ourselves. We're limited in what we can see in one another. We're limited in what we can see in situations. Because here's the thing, we don't know what we can't see, do we? We don't even know that we can't see it. This week, this past week on Tuesday morning, uh, one of my buddies, uh, he's a varsity basketball coach in the area and he's got some great talented kids and he, he let me know. He said, hey man, he said, Tony Bennett, the head coach from Virginia, uh, who just won the national championship this last year, he said he's gonna be at the high school on Tuesday morning. And if you don't know who Tony Bennett is, I got a picture of a man cutting down the nets this last year. Great guy, devout Christian, uh, tells everybody that he is a Christian. He goes, if you want to meet him on Tuesday morning, he said, swing by practice. You you might get a chance to meet him. And I'm like, absolutely. You know, and I I show up Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., Sure enough, here comes Tony Bennett walking in, nicest guy. And, you know, sometimes people say they're Christians. You know, of course you're going to thank the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, whenever you win any national championship, right? You know, everybody's a Christian on that night, you know. Yes, thank God, you know. You know, we won. Praise the Lord. And, uh, and I'm like, well, we'll see how real he is. And he, he comes in. He Nate, hey, what do you do? I'm a pastor. You're a pastor. He asks this question. He goes, what's your favorite translation of the Bible? I start geeking out, you know, and and I'm like, well, yeah, I I preach from the NIV. And he's like, man, I love the New Living Translation. And what do you think about the ESV and and the message? And here we are. We're talking basketball and Bible translations. I'm losing my mind. And uh, this is is the greatest moment. Come to find out, I knew and I know his pastor. He played professional in New Zealand before he came a coach basketball. And one of my buddies, Jeff Vines, planted a church in New Zealand that Tony went to. I said, I actually know your pastor that you had when New Zealand goes, you know Jeff? I said, yeah, man, I know Jeff. Tony Bennett goes, Nate, I never do this. He goes, let's take a selfie and send it to Jeff. I took a selfie with Tony Bennett this week, man. Like, here we are, like, ah, you know. And he leaves. He's got to go recruit some more guys. And, uh, and I'm like, one of the assistant coaches came up and goes, what were you all talking about, man? I'm going talk about Bible translations and basketball. And I'm, we're taking selfies together, you know. I'm pretty sure I'm his best friend now, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, we, we go way back. And, and, I said, and then I go, you know, it's really cool. As I, said, it, I said, you know, the good thing is I, I, kept, I kept my composure. I said, I kind of. Just played it cool, man. And he goes, oh, that's great. He goes, I took a picture of you guys talking together. And he goes, I thought you would like to have it. And uh, <laughs> like a giddy little schoolgirl, man. Tony, you're so funny. You know, and. We don't know what we can't see. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? I thought I was totally playing it cool. That ain't cool. That ain't cool. That ain't cool. But I'm telling you, there's these moments in our life that we think we're playing it cool. We think this is what we look like. And we have no idea what we look like. And there are these times in our life that we think we have it together. And Jesus goes, Nate, you don't have it together, my man. You think you have it together, Nate. You don't have it together. And this is why the biggest thing is not about you and I getting our lives together. It's about you and I seeing Jesus who has it all together. And when we see Jesus, we begin to see the things in our life that we can't see. And he doesn't want to just show us those things so he can punish us. He wants to show us those things in our life so that we can begin to experience the grace and the truth of Jesus in our life. And so that's my ask for you today is we're about ready to dive into the passage in Luke chapter seven is that all I'm gonna ask you to do today is just look to see Jesus today because there's two people in this passage in Luke chapter seven, one guy who thought he saw everything and had it all together, come to find out he had nothing together. And then we're gonna see another person in this passage who knows she doesn't have it together. And when she finally sees Jesus, She sees everything that she needs in her life. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to invite you to turn to Luke chapter 7, where you can see and follow along on the screens of Todd. But listen, this is this whole scene of these two people in this passage that Jesus is around. So Luke chapter 7, verse 36. It says, now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. And so Jesus went to the Pharisee's house and he reclined at the table. Now, if you know anything about a Pharisee, or even if you don't, the Pharisees in the day were the spiritual leaders, really, uh, of God's people. They had memorized the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. They would begin to tell people about the law of God. They would direct people. They They would bring the sacrifices in. They would kind of direct the worship services. The only problem with the Pharisees, they were trying to do the best they could, but they got a reputation. Instead of about the goodness of God being what their life was about, they made their goodness... God and said it is about my goodness and this is what makes me good and this is why a lot of times people struggle with Christians because we go man all I see are these people over here really there's a bunch of hypocrites they're trusting in their goodness rather than the goodness of God and this Pharisee invited Jesus over and if you notice this is said they that he came over for dinner but they reclined at the table I didn't learn this till a couple years ago. The way that people would eat meals in that time is this. Instead of like, they didn't have a table like this and pull up chairs, what they would do is this. They'd have a small table on the floor, and, and typically what happened is they would lean on their left arm by the table so they would share all the food together. They would reach together so they were close. They could talk to each other, and then their feet would be away from the food. Kind of a good idea. And, uh, and so they would recline at the table so they could talk with one another. So here's the scene, Jesus having dinner with this Pharisee, verse 37. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, an expensive jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair. And kissed his feet and poured perfume on them. Which goes to show, man, when you start following Jesus, you don't know what's going to happen next, my man. You know, this is, I mean, kind of think about this wild scene. Jesus is already having dinner with some Pharisees. He's already being gracious enough to them. He's reclining and there's feet. And he's like, what's going on? Somebody's tickling my feet over here. You know, it's kind of weird. And this woman is weeping. And it says this that she's a sinful woman, which means, and you begin to see a little bit more in the story. She's lived a life of prostitution, bunch of shame, bunch of regret. She knows her failure. And she's at the feet of Jesus, weeping and crying and wiping his feet with her hair. I mean, just get this imagery. And then anoints his feet with perfume incredible scene verse 39 when the pharisee who had invited jesus saw this he said to himself if this man jesus were a prophet he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is that she is a what sinner she is a sinner look at her and he's allowing her to touch him he's not a prophet Love Jesus' response here. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Now, here's what I want to catch real quick in this passage. It said that the Pharisee said to himself, This man is not a prophet because the woman touching him is a sinner. He didn't say it to Jesus, and yet Jesus answered him, which means this Jesus knows our thoughts. A lot of times we'll say stuff, we won't say it to people, we'll say it to ourselves. You might have said that when you saw somebody in here today, you went, did they get dressed in the dark this morning? (laughs) Oh, you didn't say it to them, but you said it, right? We have code words, right? Bless their heart. Oh, (laughs) Lord Jesus, right? Oh, we don't say it to people, but we say it to ourselves. And Jesus goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Simon, I hear you talking to yourself. Simon, can I, can I tell you a story, my man? I love Jesus. Simon, I have something to tell you. Well, tell me, teacher. Tell me. You know, here he is privately going, he's not a prophet. Oh, teacher, tell me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him money. 500 denarii, which is like a day's worth of pay, about a year and a half worth of pay, was in debt. And he said, then another owed 50, so almost about two months of pay. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose... The one who had the bigger debt canceled. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. This is what I love about the heart of Jesus. He could have just railed at this guy. Simon, you hypocrite. You know, grace and truth. Simon, two people owed a bunch of money. Who do you think loved them more? when their debt was canceled? Probably the one who had a bigger debt. Yeah, yeah. So is it shocking that this woman is doing this because she has a lot of debt? Here's what I love about Jesus, and we need to hear this today. Jesus loves us right where we are. Today, I don't care if you come in this room with a ton of debt and you identify maybe more with that woman, or you identify more with Simon the Pharisee, where you have trusted more in your good work. I, I, I don't care whose shoes you come in here today with, you need to know this, Jesus loves you right where you are. But here's the deal, he loves you so much, he's willing to not leave you there. He's going, Simon, I don't want to leave you there. And this woman, I don't want to leave you in your shame. I want to help you move forward. See, this is why we've got to see Jesus in the story. Here is Simon. Literally, Simon is sitting at the table with Jesus, and he can't see Jesus. You could be at church this morning. Doesn't mean you're seeing Jesus right now. Doesn't mean you're seeing him. And this is why we've got to pay attention. Here's why it's so important. Because when we see Jesus, we fully see ourselves. When we see Jesus, we see who we are. We see what we're missing in our life. If you've ever wondered who you are, or why you exist, or what you're here for, or the shortcomings in your life, this is what happens. All you got to do is you just got to see Jesus. Because when we begin to see Jesus, we begin to see ourselves. And that's what he's leading Simon into. Is he's going, Simon, I want you to see who you are so that you can move forward. But then Jesus does something really interesting here in verse uh, 44. It said, then he, Jesus, turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? Now catch the wording here. Let, let me kind of play this out for a second. All right. That it, when it says that he... He turned toward the woman, but he said to Simon, he's doing something very strategic that we need to pay attention to, especially as the followers of Jesus. And I'm going to need you guys to kind of help me out. This is what I'm going to do. This whole section over here, you guys are going to be Simon for a second, all right? And it's not because something's wrong with you, okay? I'm just assigning you. Yeah, actually, a bunch of y'all are hypocrites, all right? No, I'm sorry. So you guys are going to be Simon. And this far section over here, you guys are going to be the woman here. Now, read, now let's, let's read this for a second. Jesus turned toward the woman, turned toward the woman, and he said to Simon, you get what Jesus is doing here right now? And then what did he ask? Simon, this is exactly what's happening. Simon, do you see this woman? See, when we see Jesus, we begin to see other people. You wanna love your neighbor, see Jesus. He looked at the woman and he talked to Simon. Do you see this woman? Jesus got asked this question, what's the greatest commandment in the Bible? Summarize the whole Old Testament, it goes easy, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love who? Your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor. See, Jesus is always about going, man, when you see me, you will begin to see your neighbor. And then listen what he says right after this. He goes, do you see this woman? He said, Simon, I came into your house and you didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. Simon, you didn't even give me a welcome kiss, a greeting, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put any oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he who has been forgiven little loves little. He's calling out the blind spots in Simon here. And what he's saying is this, Simon, be careful. And this is a warning to us because when we start comparing ourselves to everyone else, the only thing that happens is this, Jesus condemns us. Be careful when you start comparing yourself to one another. This guy, I thought he was great. I'm a Pharisee. I have my life together. Look at her. She's a sinner. She has all this other stuff. And he goes, oh, hey, hey bring it in, Simon. Hey, uh, remember when I came in here? You didn't give me any water for my feet. She has wet my feet with her tears. Hey, hey remember when you didn't give me a, a, a greeting when I came in? She hadn't stopped kissing my feet. Hey, Simon, remember when you didn't give me any oil for my head? You didn't even treat me like a person? She has anointed my feet with perfume. Here's the, here's the problem with Simon. He didn't really see Jesus. We will never really see who we are and who people are in this world until we actually begin to see Jesus. Because Jesus says, I want you to know who you are and who you are is who I say I am and you are a forgiven child of God through my grace and my mercy. So if you're struggling to know who you are, if you're struggling to have Hope, if you feel like everybody's forgotten you, Jesus goes, you just look at me. Matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, there's a woman named Hagar. She feels forgotten. She had a child with Abraham, had a son named Ishmael. He's totally neglected her. She feels neglected. You might feel neglected and forgotten. It's really easy sometimes, not just in this world, but it's easy to feel neglected. When you come into this church, you go, big place, a lot of things going on. Probably nobody cares about me. Yeah, no, they said the living room, but they probably, nobody would probably be there. And so we walk in and we walk out and we're so lonely. And Satan loves to keep us in isolation. And that's where he just feasts on our heart and our mind. And in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, listen what Hagar says. This is what she says. She says, God, you are the God who sees me. And that word in the Hebrew is El Roy. She says, you are the God who sees me. And then she says, and now I have seen the one who sees me. You need to know today, God sees you exactly where you are. He knows where you are in life. And he sees you and he has grace for you and he has love for you. In 2008, when we moved here, uh, there was a a pretty cool thing that happened in the life of our church. Uh, There was a guy on staff here named Josh Starr, and uh, him and his wife, Rochelle, became my wife, Ruthie and I, similar age, and they became some of our good friends right when we moved here in 2008. And we asked kind of Rochelle, what, you know, what, what's God doing in her heart and her life? And she said something really interesting. She said, you know, because they had moved up here from Florida. And she said, uh, well, actually, God has been placing something pretty heavy on our heart uh, for certain people in the area. And we said, well, you know, what is that? You know, are you praying for Kentucky? You know, you know, what, what, you know what's kind of what's going on? What's heavy on your heart? And she said, no. She said, actually, I was driving around Louisville. And uh, she said, as we were just exploring the city, she said, I was taken back by how many billboards there are in Louisville promoting strip clubs. And we said, really? And she said, yeah. She goes, "God's just has been doing something heavy on my heart for those women. I don't know what to do, but I, my, there's, God's like impressing on my heart. And the next year she would just begin to pray. And she and a couple other people would drive by these strip clubs, praying for the people inside of them till finally her and a couple other people went together one night. They said, we feel like God is calling us to go into these strip clubs to tell these women about the love of God. And that even though people have probably forgotten them, God has not forgotten them. And she said, finally, one night, after a couple months after we lived here, her and a couple girls went into the club. They said, God, we're we're here. We're, we're We're gonna see if you're gonna open the door. They go into the club. They immediately make a beeline for the bar and they just stand there with their head down. You know, and they just kind of sit there for a while. Obviously, the bartender comes up to him. They go, Okay, you're not here for the girls. You're not here for this. What are you here for? And Rochelle said, We are here to bring the love and grace of Jesus to these girls. And what we would like to do is bring in a home cooked meal on a Thursday night to them. Can we do that? Bartender just laughed at him and said, No. And went, Okay. began to leave the strip club and when they did she looked up and she saw this man at the door and she felt the Holy Spirit tell her go talk to him and said hey sir we've come here because we would like to bring a home-cooked meal to these women could we do that the guy was the owner and he goes sure and now for the last ten years on Thursday night Scarlet Hope has been formed and for the last 10 years in Louisville and now in almost every single strip club in Louisville, there's a home-cooked meal brought in to these women because people see them but they don't see them. Oh, they see them. They don't see them. And not only that, now Rochelle and a whole team, she's got a whole staff, all this other stuff. My wife Ruthie volunteered early on just to help. Men, you can't sign up to be a part of this, all right? <laughs> feel like the Lord's leading me. It's not, <laughs> right, you know, he's not. <laughs> Stay in the kitchen, men, right, you know? <laughs> now here's what's happened. God hasn't just been bringing food into these clubs. Rochelle is a baker. You might have seen there's three locations now. It's called Scarlett's Bakery in Louisville. She's created businesses now that help women who are abused and exploited find jobs, find career development now. Now there's a Scarlett's Hope in Cincinnati and Reno, Nevada. And you know why it happened? Because Rochelle was simply willing to see Jesus. And because when you see Jesus, you begin to see other people. And you begin to love other people. And you begin to step back. And instead of comparing them going, oh, they're a bunch of sinners. You go, oh, no, they're a bunch of people that Jesus loves. And you are calling me, Jesus, to love them. But listen what happens after this. Jesus sees this woman. And then he says to this woman, your sins are forgiven. She knew her sins. The town knew her sins. She didn't need Facebook. Everybody knew her sin. Your sins are forgiven in verse 49. Then the other guests begin to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? They still don't see Jesus. They still don't see Jesus. Here he is right in front of them. They don't see him. Then Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. See, here's what happens when we see Jesus. We actually begin to see our future. You want a future? You want to be set free? You want to step into everything that God has for you? Simply see Jesus. This woman came to Jesus, broke down, full of shame, just trying to say, I'm so sorry. Gave up her most expensive perfume, anointed his feet and said, you are all that I have. I don't have anything else. And he goes, good, now that I'm all you have, now you have a future. Now you have a way forward. If you feel stuck, just see Jesus. Because what happens is he goes, your sins are forgiven. Your faith has saved you. When you begin to trust me and now go in peace. And can you imagine what she felt like walking out of that house that night? Something that she had never felt before in her life. Peace. Peace. Some of you today, man, you are desperate for peace from your past you are so worried about your future and Jesus goes, you just see me and you will see your future and you will be set free and you will have peace you'll have peace how do we have peace here's how it starts simply this we just simply bring our shoes of self-righteousness and shame to the feet of Jesus We bring our shoes of self-righteousness. And can, can I confess with you, just my story, I don't know your story, we got a bunch of stories in this room. My story, I identify way more with Simon than I do this woman. I'm good at being good. So much so, I can be so good by myself. I don't need you, Jesus. The darkest time in my life happened in Bible college when all I was doing is this, trying to be as good as I could, to do as much good as I can, and I ended up doing it without God, and it led to burnout. We don't understand the darkness that happens in our life when we quit looking at Jesus. Here's the beauty of Jesus. Jesus sees and he frees. He sees and he frees today Jesus sees you he sees me in my brokenness I see you Nate trying to be gooder I see you you even pressed your shirt for the sermon today I see you my man Nate will you see me because until you see me Nate you can't ever be set free So Jesus is saying to you and I today, do you know that I see you? God is going, I'm the God who who sees you. And when you see me, I free you from your shame, from you feeling like you got to fix it, have it all together. You know, what's interesting is this. The story resolves for this woman. She came in with a bunch of shame. She actually sees Jesus. The guests don't see Jesus. Simon doesn't see Jesus. And she leaves with peace, but it doesn't say what happened to Simon. And you know why? Because he had to come to a point where he had to choose. Okay, I've seen Jesus. Well, I let Jesus free me. Here in a moment, our volunteers are going back to serve communion. And what we're gonna do in this moment and why we take the bread and the juice is we come back and what we declare, and maybe this is your prayer right now, maybe you don't have words to pray, and maybe your prayer during this time is this, Jesus, thank you for seeing me. And would you free me? Would you free me from my shame? Would you free me, free me from this feeling like I have to work everything out in my life? Jesus, free me. That's all that woman did. She came and she collapsed. At the feet of Jesus, and she saw Jesus. During this time, when we take the bread and the juice, may you see Jesus because he sees you and longs to free you. Father, thank you. Thank you for seeing us right where we are. Father, when we think we have it all together, you see us and you love us even though you know we're broken even if we don't know it father you see us when we are full of regret and shame and fear and you love us and you forgive our sins and you invite us to trust you and you give us your peace And so, Jesus, right now in this moment, I pray that we would see you. We would see that you're willing to meet with everyone, wherever they are. And God, in this moment, would you help us to see the grace of Jesus in a fresh way? God, would we be obedient? God, would we see others because we see you? Jesus, you are our identity. You are our hope. You are our future. So today in this moment, we sit at your feet. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for dying and being raised again to conquer sin and death forever. And it's in your name that we pray. everybody said together, man, let's take communion together.